when Peter is preaching a message about what God has done in Christ to save sinners, and it has a radical impact on the hearers. In fact, what we're going to see is they go from unbelief to belief to baptism to this thing called the church and then to participation in this thing called the church. And that's kind of going to be the emphasis of the message, I think, is participation in this thing that God has given us called the church. So let me read. This is Acts chapter 2. This is the tail end of Peter's sermon and then a description of what happened as a result. I hate jumping right into the middle of someone's sermon or towards the end, but this is what we're doing. So Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Peter concludes by saying, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And now here's a description, a little snapshot of what happened after that. It says, and they, which is the 3,000 that were added, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on this message. Our Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this picture of what you have done in history. Thank you for this idyllic picture of this early church. And yet, Lord, we know that reading through the epistles, it was not all perfect. But you gathered this people, and you put your spirit in this people, and you gave them a community to foster love and growth and fellowship 
and that through that process, you were making mature disciples of Jesus Christ. And so as we receive this word today, I pray that you would grace both speaker and hearer so that we would get the most out of what it is that you want to say to your church this morning. I pray for strength for my voice, that it would carry well, and that I would not lose it, and that uh, you would keep us free from distraction. So help us this morning, we pray. In fact, why don't you take a moment in the privacy of your own heart and ask the Lord to speak to you this morning. Our Father, we recognize that you have ordained the preaching of your word to not only convert the soul, but to strengthen and edify the church. And we pray that you would do that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was Mother's Day a few weeks ago, and Mark Paterno was preaching that Sunday, and we had a lot going on in our house, and so I did what I almost never do on Sundays. I showed up right before the service started. As you can imagine, I'm usually there early. I'm doing mic checks. We're testing PowerPoint. We're testing microphones. We're greeting people as they come in. But on this particular Sunday, I showed up right before the service started. Now, we had plans right after the service, and so we heard the, the sermon, we sang the song, we closed in prayer, and then we left. And I remember driving home just feeling like something was missing. I felt unfulfilled in my Sunday experience. And I came to the conclusion that because I had no interaction with the body of Christ, I wasn't talking to people about Christ, I wasn't praying for anybody, I wasn't engaging in relationship with others on Sunday, I was shortchanged for my Sunday worship experience. And it also occurred to me that this is the pattern of many in the visible church today. They show up when church starts, they leave when church ends, and that is the, that is the sum of their Sunday experience, and that is actually quite normal for them. But I want to say to you today that if that is you, you are missing out on what God has given us in the church, and that is community. God has saved us to a redeemed community of people. And so one of the benefits of our growth as Christians is participating in this community that God has given us. Now I know the women have been focusing on this in their study on Monday nights, and so I thought this would be a good reminder to them and a good sermon for all of us to consider what God has done in the church. 
So, I, I trust we all know the gospel message, right? We are born in sin. We are rebels by nature. And so we do not love the things of God by nature. And we are at enmity with God. And so God does something profoundly wonderful. He gives us His Son, who is a, a perfect and blameless substitute for sinners so that all who put their trust in Him will receive the benefits of His perfect life and the benefits of His sin-atoning death so that we are made righteous in the sight of God even though we are still sinners and that when we die and face God on that day we do not face Him as judge but we face Him as Father and this is the good news of the Gospel Christ has reconciled us to God and taken our sins away and given us a blameless and perfect life in its place, the life of Christ. But he has done something wonderfully profound on top of that. He has saved us to be part of a redeemed community who have had that same experience. And that redeemed community have all been given gifts from Christ himself which is what our scripture reading was. So Christ ascends into heaven. He gives gifts to men. And so uh, Ephesians 4 lists some of those gifts, not all of them. There's gifts in different places in the scriptures. But the point is he gives gifts to believers and then we all come together and we share in one another's lives and we benefit from those gifts in others. Paul uses the metaphor in 1 Corinthians 12 of a human body. So he, he describes it as hands and, and feet and eyes and ears. And, and just as a body has all these different parts and they all work together, so it is with the body of Christ. And so an eye can't say, oh, I don't need you ear, because the eye does need the ear. They're part of the same body. or the hand can't say, well, because I'm not an eye, I'm no benefit to the body. It's like, no, you are part of the body too. And so this picture of this physical body compiled of all of these different parts working together is a picture of the church. Now, the body of Christ is this organism and we all have been given different gifts. So some have a gift of teaching, some of administration, some of service, some of encouragement, some of giving, some of helping, some of exhortation. And this community is to be a self-sustaining community. In other words, we can settle disputes among one another. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, how could you take your disagreements and go before the courts of the world? Why, you know, why are you suing each other? And his point was, this is a community where we solve our problems together and we don't have to go to the world for anything. And so this treasure that we have in the body of Christ is a gift from God in addition to his son, in addition to his spirit. In fact, the New Testament, early New Testament church, would know no such thing of a believer who belonged to Christ but did not belong to his body. It would make no sense. 
Now, the last couple years have been very strange. We went through this thing called COVID-19, and so for a time, believers were isolated from one another. Our church did that for a couple months. I recorded video sermons. We watched them in our homes, and we watched them on TV, and we worshiped, but isolated. Now, sadly, some people really enjoyed that, and they said, well, this is great. Through this thing called technology, I can be instructed in the Word of God, I can uh, sing songs of praise to God, and I can do it in my jammies and with a cup of coffee, and I don't have to go anywhere. And so, I've talked with other pastors who have these online services, and they're thinking of pulling them because two years later, some of their church members have not come back because they think that they can still honor the Lord by doing this thing by themselves. So you've got what's supposed to be participation in the body of Christ, and it becomes reduced to separation and observation. In other words, they just become observers, not participants. But God has saved us to a redeemed community. The church cannot be the church if there is not a community there. So I was thinking about this this week, and I've seen this over the years, and the, the tragedy really of someone who pulls away from the community is twofold. The first is they are not able to grow properly. So let's say you have the person who decides through COVID-19 they're going to do church at home for now on, or they've enjoyed a TV preacher for a long time and he becomes their pastor. And two, two tragedies happen there. One is they're not able to grow properly. So you have a Christian whose growth is stunted. They're not involved in actual relationships in the body of Christ. They're not receiving encouragement from others. They're not benefit, benefiting from the gifts of others in the body. And so, picture a plant that's in a dark closet for all week except 90 minutes. And you pull that plant out and you stick it under the light for 90 minutes. And then it goes back in the dark closet for the rest of the week. I mean, very best case scenario, you would just have a plant whose growth is terribly stunted, and worst case scenario, you would have a dry and dead plant. So that's one tragedy. Isolation does not give you the benefit of the body of Christ. But the second tragedy is that others are not benefiting from your gift. In other words, you don't just go to church to get something, the picture of the New Testament church is that you go there to give something. And that is, you share the gift that God has given you with others for their growth. Now, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, maybe this will motivate you to discover what your spiritual gift is. But I believe spiritual gifts are discovered in the midst of the community, where other people recognize, hey, you know what? I think you have a particular gift of encouragement because every time you talk to me about the Lord, I walk away just with joy. Or maybe someone has a teaching gift that is discovered. 
or a, a gift of sharing or a gift of giving or whatever it is. But if you take yourself out of that context, now all of a sudden you're withholding the gift that God has given you from others. Now I've met people, I can think of two men in particular who I believe are Christians, but ever since I've known them, and it's we're talking eight to ten or more years, they've never been part of a church. They have pastors on TV that they like, or they listen to sermons on the radio, but they're not connected in a local church, and ever since I've known them, they have not been. This is the kind of error that Christians can fall into thinking that they are living out the Christian life, but if they're not part of the community, then they are not doing as God has designed for them. They are not doing those two things. They're not benefiting from the body of Christ. They're not sharing with the body of Christ. Now, listen to what the writer uh, of the Hebrews says about this. Actually, I want you to turn there. If you still have your Bible, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It's a familiar couple of verses to you, I imagine. The writer says, Let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works. See that? Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, this means that every time you come to church, you have a job to do. You're not just going there to check a box or to hear a sermon or, and then leave. You, you have a calling from God to be an encouragement to others within the body. This is how the body is supposed to function. We go out into the world, and the world is a discouraging place. And you are going through trials, and if you're not going through trials now, you're about to go through a trial, or you're just coming out of a trial. But we need regular encouragement from one another, and that is part of the way God designed it, is that we meet together and we encourage one another. And notice he says, let us consider how to do it. So that means you're driving to church and you're thinking, how can I encourage someone at church? Maybe I could pray for someone. Maybe I could ask them how their walk with Christ is going. But it's something where we're actively engaged in one another. We have actual relationships with people in the body. We know their strengths. We know their weaknesses. Maybe we know their temptations. Maybe you have a, a man or woman in your life who's just a close brother or sister, and they they know all about you, and, and, and you can confide in them, and you can share in these things with each other. Paul describes it as running a race. So we're all running a race, and this world is full of temptations to stop running the race or to slow down as you're running the race or to take a take some time off from running the race take a break 
And, and so all these temptations come to us, temptations of pleasure, temptations of just our, our carnal bent of our hearts to be lazy. Worldly pursuits come and, and pull us off course. And so the body of Christ is there to keep us, much like people cheering you on in a race. Go! Go! You can do it! And we do that for each other. If you still have Hebrews open, turn to a, a couple pages to chapter 12. The second half of this of verse 1, he says, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So it's an interesting picture. We are all running our individual course that God has set out for us, but we are, we are running this course in a community of believers. So you have your course, I have my course, they look different, but we can run together and encourage one another to keep on running. So a church, a church is not just a place to sing a few songs and to hear a sermon, as important as those things are. A church is for us to engage with one another in the body of Christ. And listen to this. This is I think the Lord gave me this. I've thought about this before. But the church is a place where Jesus Christ dwells among the members of his body. In other words, the body of Christ, that descriptor, is not just a metaphor. When we come together as the community, we are coming together with Jesus. So everyone has a gift, and if you put all those gifts together, it's Jesus Christ. So I'm benefiting from your gift and your gift and your gift and I'm sharing my gift and sharing and sharing and we are interacting through the community with Jesus Christ in some way. That's the picture. He is the head, we are the body, and the head and the body are connected. And so our experience with Jesus is in a community of believers who are filled with Jesus and not at home watching some person on television or the coming to church and leaving after church and never engaging in the body now I might be preaching to the choir largely here but I think it's good for the choir to hear these things also <laughs> and I just want to state this clearly our commitment to Christ is more than 90 minutes on a Sunday. Okay, We are building relationships. We are going to Bible studies. We are going to prayer meetings. We see each other. We are praying for each other. We are being prayed for. We are helping and encouraging one another as we run together. Now, back to the person who, let's say for 10, 20, whatever years, watches the TV preacher or, 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 or is a Sunday attender but never never involved in the body, withholding their gift from the body, remember that, withholding their gift from the body, what is that going to look like on the day when we have to give an account? Because Jesus says, 
we will give an account to our master someday of how we invested the things that he gave us. And if you remember the parables, there's a couple parables at least. He gives talents to one servant, and the servant says, you gave me these, and I, I doubled it. And he says, well done, faithful servant. And he gives two talents to another, and he says, I doubled those. And he says, well done, faithful servant. And then the other servant says, oh, that gift you gave me, that talent that was to be used for you, oh, I kept it safe. I, I buried it over here. And of course, we know what happens to that servant. Jesus casts them out into outer darkness. So these are just things I've been thinking about this week. I didn't know who would be here and who wouldn't be here. I just thought, Lord, give me a message that you think our people need to hear. And these are good things for us to be reminded of. So I want to just speak as we close to two types of people that are here today. Maybe you are faithfully committed to the body of Christ. You are engaged with people in the church. You have relationship with them. You are going to the extra activities because you have an interest in sharing in their gift and you sharing your gift and uh, experiencing Christ together. God bless you. The Bible would encourage you, as Paul does the Thessalonian church, keep on doing this more and more. And maybe there's some of you today who keeps church at a distance and you don't get too involved and you don't really participate in the life of the body. This is not a message to just guilt you today into doing more, but I actually want to encourage you today. If you belong to Christ, God has given you a wonderful gift that you are missing out on. It is the community of believers, the body of Christ. And so I want to encourage you today to have a fresh start. If you have Christ, you have his spirit, you have a gift, and you discover that gift through community. And I want to encourage you to belong to, to the body and to glorify God in his community. Let us pray together. Our gracious Father, help us, Lord, to not have much regret on that day. Help us to invest our time and our strengths and our gifts in others that you have put in our lives. Help us, Lord, that we might glorify you by not only receiving when we come to church, but also giving. We need your help, we need your strength, we need these constant reminders. We thank you for them in Jesus' name, amen.